Previously on X-Men. Coming to you live from Hell's Kitchen, it's the Movie Change-Up Podcast Disney Plus Weekly Review, where each week I, Jill Fricky, and my co-host, Tristan Mayer, uh, break down this week in Disney Plus. Self-explanatory title, uh, if you bought Disney Plus for Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, Loki, all these you know various MCU Star Wars shows, and in this gap right now, you're like, hey... I have Disney Plus. I bought this year-long subscription. What am I supposed to be watching? What am I supposed to ignore? Uh, that's what we're here to tell you. We're here to break down maybe upcoming news, shows, any trailers that might have dropped. And uh, yeah, we're just going to kind of be talking mostly some low-key stuff. Until, uh, and by low-key, that's like smaller, not low-key as in Tom Hiddleston's MCU character. Until uh, Moon Knight. Yeah, until Moon Knight All drops. season. Yeah. Until Moon Knight drops in uh, March. A lot of big news here for Disney Plus this week. Uh, Tristan, kind of a low week for Disney Plus. Any any thoughts as far as the content goes? Yeah, it's one of those weeks where we're more talking about the news than the actual content that was dropped. You know, we have Proud Family going on. We have a couple of uh, National Geographic drops, things that are small this week. But I definitely thought the standout was the news here. And not just the big Marvel headline news, but also some kind of like industry level news that I think is going to be very interesting for how the streaming streaming platform looks going forward into the next couple of years, mm-hmm. even. So, yeah, it'll be a really fun episode this week, even if we don't have a lot of content to talk about here. But yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun conversation. And of course, X Men Two at the end. I'm happy to revisit that classic. And it was a fun one to rewatch this week. Yeah, definitely. We're going to be ramping up towards the release of X-Men 97, so uh, uh, for sure, talk a little X-Men today, you can tell by our intro. And uh, let's kick it off. Uh, Marvel Netflix shows are coming to Disney+, Plus. I believe starting March 16th, which is 11 days from now. Uh, never thought I would really ever see this happen. I thought I didn't really knew, know how the contracts were drawn up, I just figured they'd be on Netflix indefinitely, so... Uh, it's kind of interesting to see a little bit of Marvel coming home. I definitely think they're going to go more for the uh, multiverse thing with this. If you ask Kevin Feige, I don't think these shows necessarily happen in the main MCU con- continuity, but I think they happened in another universe, and then they can probably keep pretty much all of the actors, and then um, as far as the main MCU continuity goes, take the parts of the shows they liked and make them canon i guess to the mcu and ignore anything they didn't like like i'm think i i imagine if you see a defenders team up in the current mcu uh timeline you may drop uh iron fist out and maybe see moon knight pop in uh not a lot of big iron fist fans but i'm sure obviously charlie cox is staying and i would imagine that the actress that played jessica jones and the actor that played uh Luke Cage would probably stick around because fans like them as well. But what are your thoughts on MCU Netflix coming to Disney Plus? Yeah, I'm really uh, excited to have it all together here to have all the Marvel stuff in one place. You know, you don't have to go between multiple platforms, and you can even Agent of Shield. You know, not talking about that as much, but that's also being added on the same day. And that's one that I only saw a handful of episodes. I think I think I saw most of the first season and. 
gave up before I even got to the end of that one. <laughs> so that might be a fun one to background watch and finally get my way through. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm excited to have it all in one place, and it'll be very interesting to see how they drop it, because uh, you, you mentioned, oh, is, it's probably not going to be canon, so where are they going to put it on the platform? Is it going to be in its own little section of like some kind of alternate universe? How are they going to title it? You know, It's going to be in the same way that like Fantastic Four and X-Men are on there in this kind of subdivision of the Marvel part where it's like, oh, the throughout the Marvel Universe and they have these other things, or are they going to give it its own kind of name that somehow answers the question of whether or not these are literally canon or not to the Marvel Universe? Because that's kind of the question now is like, okay, how much of this... We've seen Hawkeye, we've seen Spider-Man, how much of this is is continuity and how much of it is not? And in comic books, it doesn't necessarily matter all the time, <laughs> but it's fun as fans to kind of speculate on that so it'll be fun to have them all together and there are a few of these seasons i haven't seen you mentioned that there's not a lot of uh iron fist fans and i'm definitely not one of them i had i don't think i've seen a single second of his series i didn't bother watching that one i really like jessica jones i i enjoyed the first season or in the half of daredevil that i watched <laughs> so i do have a bit of a gap in some of these marvel shows like the punisher and some of the more spin-offy type shows I, not, I never gave myself a chance to really get into so yeah. it'll be fun to finally push myself over the edge to cover some of these in the show maybe or fill in some of the stuff I haven't gotten a chance to see so I can be kind of the blind viewer as you talk about the shows and they drop. So that that could be a fun one to talk about. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it a lot. And yeah, it opens up a Pandora's box of not just is this canon, is this not for the nerds, but also what is Disney's platform going to look like now that I have this these R-rated TVMA type of stuff on here now that I have a parental control coming where you're going to have to set whether or not it's a kids account or an adult account similar to how Netflix is and are we going to see more and more boundary pushing R-rated stuff do we see Blade do we see Deadpool do we see the other kind of Marvel multiverse stuff added onto this huge platform more of the Fox stuff do we see Alien those kind of things on here yeah uh back to what you were talking about as far as like the branding goes like where are they putting it on the platform I remembered that a lot of the older Star Wars stuff that's not really canon and was never really 100% considered canon, like the droids animated show and uh, and the Ewok movies and stuff like that. Like I knew they were branded with like the Star Wars vintage brand on Disney+. Plus. So I was wondering, I knew they had like the X-Men movies and stuff on Disney+, Plus as well, so I'm curious what their brand was. So I, while you were talking, I went over to the uh, Marvel tab on Disney+, Plus and it seems like Marvel Legacy is uh, what they've kind of called that stuff so like the there's a if you go click on marvel and then you like scroll down to like the different categories one of the categories is like marvel legacy movies and it had like the x-men movies fantastic four uh things like that and they had like the marvel animate marvel legacy animated which was a lot of the animated shows that are just been focused on marvel characters and wasn't really ever part of the mcu so i wouldn't be surprised if come march 16th we see a tab that says Marvel Legacy live action and it's got you know Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Defenders, all that. You're muted. I agree with you on there I think they'll probably have their own section similar yeah like you mentioned the Marvel Legacy movies Marvel Legacy animation is on there too so I imagine in a couple of weeks we see Marvel Legacy series or something like that on there. Yeah that's definitely how they're gonna go 
And uh, kind of what you're talking about with parental controls almost makes me want to jump a little bit to our next topic because I have a thing I want to bring up, and that's that uh, Disney Plus, by the end of 2022, is going to release an ad-supported version. Now, I don't think they've fully released how it's going to work, but I imagine there will probably be a price hike, and I assume if you want to stay at the current price, you'll have to view ads, but then you can do the price jump and uh, go ad-free, similar to how Hulu is, which brings me to why I kind of wanted to bring this point up now. Uh, NBC is apparently going to cease uh, putting their stuff on Hulu. Hulu, I believe, is owned 75% by Disney, 25% by Dis- uh, NBC Universal, And uh, with NBC essentially pulling out Disney having their own streaming service that's going to have an ad-supported version, going to have adult-aimed content. I wouldn't be surprised if we're going into, like, 2024 and Hulu just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I'm really curious about that because what makes Hulu so unique compared to Disney Plus as a platform is that it has so much of that TV side of of entertainment. Like, it has live TV, it has a whole slew of channels and extra TV content through FX and things like that. So, yeah, I, I always am curious to see what the future of that is going to be because I wouldn't want to see all that stuff go away. You know, I don't want them to be like, well, there's not really a home for FX or for things like that, so we're not going to have them anywhere. <laughs> you know, and I, I wouldn't, I don't want them to kind of be like lost in the ether somewhere. Well, I think with Disney owning FX, I essentially think what it would be is all of Hulu's content just gets folded into Disney Plus and all of, like, that, like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and some of those more not-so-much-like kid shows would just be under the parental controls. And so if you're like us, you know, 18 up, no kids in the house, just doing whatever, it really wouldn't matter. It's just there'd be a lot more content on Disney Plus and maybe... Because I know in other countries they have Star... Uh, which is basically because they don't Hulu is only an American thing and maybe Canada. I don't remember like no other countries outside of North America have Hulu. They have star as an option on Disney plus. So we have like Marvel national geographic star Wars. So potentially I could see a thing where like Hulu just becomes a tab on Disney plus, or maybe they like rebrand Hulu as star just to tell people, Oh, it's this new thing called star, even though every other country has had it for five years. And uh, it's just, we basically our tabs just look similar to all the international versions of Disney Plus, and uh, you know you want to watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, or you want to watch like any Hulu originals or anything like that. It would essentially just be under that tab instead of its own separate app. I think that's definitely a good direction for it because Mar- I think both of these stories do kind of go together in the way that Disney is trying to expand their audience and not have it only be the diehard Disney fans who want to see the nostalgia stuff, who want to see the classic vault. Like, I consider myself to be kind of among that. Like, I, I enjoy having the backlog of Disney things, but I'd really like to see them open up not just the Disney vault, but the Fox vault to open up their whole huge collection of content, because I look at competitors like HBO Max, and to me, sure, it's double the price, but I'm getting quadruple the content. You know, I'm getting a whole legacy studio's worth of stuff on movie side. I'm getting a whole like legacy studios worth of TV on the other side of it with HBO. So it feels like I'm getting a really, really strong collection of things for my money. And I definitely see Disney, if they don't start going down that route of expanding their collection here, I could see any easily within a year or so of people being like, you know, I'm 
I'm tired of rewatching Disney Channel movies. You know, I've seen all of the Marvel stuff over and mm. over again, and especially if these shows aren't necessarily delivering, people are going to be like, you know, maybe Disney Plus is not a, a priority subscription for me right mm. now. So I think both of these, whether it's expanding to the R-rated content, I do think we're going to get stuff like Blade, stuff like Alien mm. on here. I do. I think it only makes sense for Disney to to use their big successful platform here and expand on it without not having to like balance two or three different platforms in, in, in one company. I think that's going to be their direction for it. And as for the price, I don't necessarily think our price. All right. Well, it's going to go up. I could seven ninety nine a month and I could see them up, upping that to like a nine ninety nine price tag mm-hmm. and maybe having their ad supported version be, like a four ninety nine, something like that. Because I know Peacock has a four ninety nine. Yeah. I know Apple TV is four ninety nine. So I could see Disney wanting to get in that same boat. Well, even maybe even making a big move and be like, okay, three ninety nine. You play three ninety nine. You watch ads. You get pretty yeah. much all of our stuff. Maybe not a handful of things here and there, but whatever. You get most of our stuff for very cheap, and you watch ads. And I think being able to undercut all those other platforms by even just a dollar is enough to be marketable and exciting and have people be like okay maybe i i can afford three dollars a month for disney plus you know yeah definitely that's gonna be interesting we'll know more by the end of the year but yeah it's exciting too because yeah it's gonna be late 2022 is what they announced so you don't even have like an exact uh an exact uh date or timeline or anything like that but i could see it being like sometime in the fall this year yeah, and I know uh, Disney has that uh, sh- that shareholders conference or whatever later this month, I believe. So we may even know then uh, more of a closer date of when some of this information will come out. Yeah, it's exciting. I think it's anything that's going to get more content on the platform is good news to me. Yeah. So I'm positive on the Daredevil universe stuff and also on the implications of that bringing in a whole slew of other things. I think it's a going to be interesting to see how these do and how they perform because I do think that's kind of part of Disney's marketing here. Like, uh, does this R-rated section, are people using it? You know, are they actually watching these shows or is it in some way or another hurting our brand image? Do we want to be the family-friendly platform? Is that more efficient for us number-crunching-wise? You know, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes for them the next year or so. I'm also curious how much of this was... was somewhat like always the goal like hey we're gonna start and we're gonna be like family friendly content like hey we're disney and this is disney plus and like we're fun for the whole family and then around year two or year three we'll start doling out the r-rated content and stuff once people are used to what our system is and it's like kind of trust us a little bit of what our content is and we'll say we'll have parental controls and all that but i'm just i just don't know if i necessarily believe that they were like it wasn't until recently that they were like, hey, we should put some of our R-rated content on our streaming service. I feel like this is something that's potentially always been in the works, especially when I think, like, what was it, the last quarter, they didn't grow quite as much as previous quarters, but they've still, they hit, like, their five-year projection of how many subscribers they, uh, yeah, they hit their five-year projection, I think, within the first six months. So it's not exactly like they're struggling and they're like on the verge of collapse and it's like, oh shoot, if we don't start adding stuff, Disney Plus is going to be a big failure and we got to crank some other stuff out or people are going to abandon us. So, 
I think they definitely see the writing on the wall, though, of the fact that streaming platforms have gotten so, so, I don't know, exposed, so expanded. You know, you have, you have Peacock, you have Paramount Plus, you have Hulu, you have FX, you have, I mean, and I think Disney is realizing people are not. It's a bubble, you know. <laughs> people yeah. don't want to pay for four different platforms. We can be the yeah. one where you get a lot for a little. Yeah. That can be where we can kind of go. And I do think. I understand your logic of thinking this probably might have been the plan from the start, but I do know there's been a bit of a, it's been a bit of a battle internally of what the direction for the platform is going to be and what I, Bob Chapek has some different opinions compared to the people underneath them of what is appropriate, and not appropriate for the app, for the platform. And you can tell at the beginning of this, they had a Hillary, uh, a Lizzie McGuire revival they were going to do. And they had this kind of internal conflict between the writers and Disney of what tone it was going to be. And, they said, look, Disney Plus is not that kind of a tone. You guys want to make it a bit more mature than we want it to be, so you got to kid it down a bit. And they essentially said no, and that was kind of the downfall of the show. So you can definitely see, at least at the beginning, they were not interested in having any level of mature content on this platform. So this feels like a pivot. To me, I That's think it's true. a good pivot, but yeah. I think it's gonna, I think it's definitely different from what they were originally planning when they launched yeah, and I guess I could also see it just being them looking at the numbers, seeing what's popular on their app. If the movies and shows that are more, like, teenager-friendly, like Mandalorian, uh, Book of Boba Fett, Loki, and, like, the just the more, I don't want to say adult-oriented, but at least, like, the content that's not directly for kids is just massively outperforming the stuff directly aimed at kids, I could see them being like, okay, our user base is clearly you know, adults and teenagers, so let's try to push more content that's aimed at adults and teenagers. I definitely, I mean, this is good news for the platform. Like I've said, I think more stuff on the platform is always good, and I'm very curious what the price range is going to be, because, yeah, now having multiple levels of entry is an easy excuse to start upping the price, you know, Mm -hmm. pull a Netflix move, so all of a sudden, look at your bill, you're like, Seventeen dollars a month. How did that happen? Where uh. Netflix was cheap when I signed up for it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I think I think it'll be a typical streaming platform. We had that really nice entry price, you know, uh, really great sale if you signed up for the year early, and it was like so much cheaper. I don't think that's going to be the plan going forward. Yeah, I'm very curious. I for a while now I have thought that Netflix is not long for this world. As soon as all of these other companies that actually have their own content have their own library started making their own streaming service i'm like what does netflix have that anyone cares about like stranger things are people going to pay 17.99 a month year round for stranger things every two years i doubt it yeah and disney has to know like they can be the center of so many ips (laughs) you know and whether it's new stuff or old stuff being able to have a whole backlog collection of anything 20th century fox produced essentially you know that's a lot of franchises that's a lot of names you can put Mm -hmm. in a trailer you know yeah especially like if they're like hey coming october 2023 an alien like a show set in the alien world produced by um what's his face uh ridley scott like that's gonna get attention yeah, I th- yeah, I, I really think it's a good move for them. And yep. It's a good move for us because it gives us more stuff to talk about. You know, we're uh-huh. not entirely we're not entirely limiting ourselves to like kid shows and things that are out of our wheelhouse. I think it's going to be fun when those floodgates open up to see like, oh, 
new movies we haven't checked out, new shows we haven't watched. Like I mentioned, I haven't seen a lot of the Netflix Marvel shows, so it'll be fun to get a chance to talk about those. And Yeah, I can't wait. It'll be more more content. All right. I think we've talked about this enough. Let's move on to our next topic, and that is uh, the most recent episode of The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. Uh, I believe this is episode three of this season. I still kind of can... Cons- I know there it's more of a rebranded new show, but to me, it, with how much this show feels like the original, it just feels like a continuation more than an, like any kind of reboot or anything. Uh, but yeah, the episode is called It All Started With An Orange Basketball. And essentially, uh, Oscar Proud, father of the main family, the Proud family, uh, gets into a battle with his most hated rival, uh, Wizard Kelly, who is kind of like this legendary great figure of the town. And uh, they challenge each other, they're coaches of uh, this kid's basketball teams, and basically uh, they get to live each other's lives, or like, if... If Oscar's team wins, then Oscar gets to live as Wizard Kelly for a day. And uh, Wizard Kelly has to live like Oscar for a day. uh, Because Oscar doesn't really like his life, even though he's kind of married to... You know, he has a nice life. He just can never see the forest through the trees, basically, is how his character is. And then if Wizard Kelly's team wins, uh, Wizard Kelly essentially gets to steal Oscar's top assistant for some reason. Because apparently he's... This teenager is someone that Wizard Kelly really wants, which is a thing I didn't really understand in this episode. But ultimately, um, Oscar discovers that his daughter Penny is really good at basketball and tries to get her to play for him. And she does, except she doesn't enjoy playing basketball. So uh, kind of your typical kid show animated episode. Uh, I feel, like I said, the first two, I feel like it's perfectly in line with uh, the original run of the Proud Family. If you like that original run of the Proud Family, you're gonna like this show. If you watched the Proud Family when you were a kid and you're like, I don't like this for whatever reason, then this show isn't gonna bring you back. It's not a complete change up of anything. It's just a complete continuation set with modern technology, modern slang, and modern everything. But Tristan, uh, you recently watched this episode. What are your thoughts? Uh, I actually have not checked this one out yet, so uh, I have a question, a couple questions for you, Joe, as the one who has seen this. I know when I talked about the first two episodes, we both together kind of thought that, it, while I modernized it very well, a lot of the slang, like you like you mentioned just the modern slang, we thought it was very overbearing in the first episode especially, and I would thought, you know, I'm, I'm nervous, is it just a bad pilot essentially, or is that going to be something that throughout, how did you feel like they worked in the modern slang and the modernization in the third episode? Uh, I feel like it worked well. It was definitely, because like in the first episode, it was like every sentence was like some modern slang term or phrase that kids say. In this episode, it was a lot less. It was a lot more subdued and it felt a lot more realistic. It definitely was not as overbearing as it was in the first episode. That's good news. I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out. And I also was wondering how much do they highlight some of the other members of the family because I'm really excited to get more with some of the other characters. And you mentioned that I think the dad has a lot of a, a big arc in this episode. So does it feel like more of like a him episode than a Penny episode? Uh, it's pretty close. I would say it's like 50-50 Oscar and Penny this episode. Uh, but that's one of the things I liked about the original show is like the mom the the dad the grandma all kind of had big episodes and were prominent things like i wouldn't be surprised if the next episode the mom played a big part or sugar mom played a big part like obviously bb and cc being 
babies like aren't really massive parts of the show but the adult characters do get do get uh their parts here and there yeah um, i didn't watch the episode yet i was busy catching up on other things and the movies are about to uh talk about but yeah i am in on the show so I'm, i'll definitely be checking it out eventually and i'm glad you had some positive feedback on the two questions i had yeah one of my favorite aspects of the show it's not really a spoiler um is wizard kelly's team is assembled uh he i can't it's like the wizard kelly all-stars and it's all like children of like legendary nba players and the top and i brought this up last week and like they make vocalizations throughout the episode but none of them are really like characters i would say so it's not like they're actually voiced by who they're supposed to be played by anyways the best player on oscar's team is michael who in real life is voiced by an actual child of a legendary basketball player it's ej johnson played by the son of magic johnson so i thought that was kind of cool and i'm sure they 100 percent did that on purpose so uh yeah that's something you definitely do intentionally when you have someone with with legacy parents like that yeah but anyways uh good episode if you like the first two episodes you're gonna like this one uh so definitely check it out and that brings us to our next topic uh a movie tristan did not care for at all thinks was trash thinks all musicals should stop production today no more musicals don't even put music in movies don't even have scores for movies complete silence 100 percent. and that is west side story it's a ripoff oh we all know of romeo and juliet because hollywood can't come up with original ideas anymore uh but yeah uh tristan if you were to like talk about this movie <laughs> what would you want to say if someone forced you to Look, uh, Joe put a lot of words in my mouth right there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna back up a lot of them. <laughs> you know, I think this was a definitely a great addition to Disney Plus. And we mentioned earlier how that I want them to expand their repertoire and get away from entirely kids stuff. And this is kind of like a sign of that. This is not something you'd normally be looking at your Disney Plus lineup, but I think it fits it pretty well. It's a fun movie. It has a lot of dark elements in the plot towards the end. And you know, Romeo and Juliet. You know how some of it might play out but uh i think you know the music here is iconic and classic but really i think it's worth watching for the direction entirely you know the story joe joked about it but yeah it's a romeo and juliet kind of inspiration and you've if you've seen that or you've seen the original or you've seen any of the things that have been inspired by either one of these stories you know what's going to happen in the plot but i think it's worth watching for the craft of it and steven spielberg directs this he uh, has a huge legacy with Disney and a legacy with just filmmaking in general. And he really, really confidently directs it. There's some really impressive sequences and whether it's like a big dance hall sequence or whether it's a small conversation between two people in a room, you know, he really knows how to get the most out of every sequence he's shooting. And I know it's kind of long, but you guys all, I'm sure went and watched the Batman this weekend or are going to watch it in the next couple of days. And it's not as long as that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a lot more, fun and a lot more colorful and a lot uh, uh, more engaging to look at, I guess. So if you, if you can sit through three hours of a good Batman movie, you can sit through three hours of a really good musical, too. And I think it's worth checking out just for the for the beautiful craft of it, the performances. And, yeah, I think it, it's a mesmerizing thing to watch, even if the story and the plot isn't necessarily all that unique. I think it's definitely one worth throwing up on streaming and checking out. All right. One of the questions I had for you was if someone... 
didn't see the original, uh, didn't really care, like, didn't necessarily hate musicals, but wasn't someone who would, like, seek them out, why should they watch this movie, but I feel like you kind of already answered that, so I'm not gonna ask. Yeah, I don't think you need to be familiar with the original. I mean, I, I've seen it in my childhood, but I couldn't tell you, like, beat for beat anything, a lot of the stuff that happens, you know, and so I went into this somewhat fresh, and I had a great time with it. I know people in my family and my friends who were not musical fans who at least got some joy out of it. So, yeah, even if you're not a musical fan, I think it's on streaming, so it's worth putting up and checking out when it gets cool, looking up and down. If you're not into the singing and dancing, that's okay. You still have, uh, you know, it's on your streaming platform, so you can pull up your phone if you're not into it and look up when the cool stuff's happening. You know, it's, oh, that's the beauty of a streaming platform, you know? You don't got to be into it all the time. All right. Yeah, I really have nothing to add. I haven't seen the movie, haven't seen the original. So I got nothing for us because, uh, you know, I come prepared. Anyways, <laughs> before we get to our final topic, a uh, small piece of news dropped, and that is Cal Penn is joining the Santa Claus uh, TV show starring uh, Tim Allen. Not the first person I would have expected to join a Tim Allen-led TV show, but here we are. So, Tristan, uh, any thoughts on uh, Cal Penn joining the Santa Claus and any kind of prediction on a type of role he could play? I think it's an interesting addition. Like you said, it's a, not a name I thought would be showing up here, but he's a funny actor. I think he's a good addition to the cast here. I could see him playing some kind of uh, elf advisor type role. Maybe he's like the stuck-up leader of the like the type a personality he wants everything to be running by his rules type of leader of the elves i could also see him being like the cynical boyfriend guy who does not believe in santa claus for some magical reason despite the fact that presents keep appearing every year on christmas but you know i could see him being like that one who's like oh santa claus that's not real how could that be real and i i could see him playing both roles but i definitely see him being like kind of a antagonistic type of personality mm -hmm. where he's either the confrontational leader of the elves type of person or he's the naysayer. I, I see him being more of a antagonist towards Tim Allen Santa Claus here. Uh, that's interesting. So I was thinking kind of the opposite. I was thinking he could either be uh, like one of the magical creatures, like one of the like magical creatures, whether it's, you know, like he's the new tooth fairy or he's maybe like the new Cupid or something. Uh, but I was also thinking potentially I could see him being the opposite where you like Christmas doesn't exist. I could see him, uh, being like the boyfriend or friend of one of his kids who like maybe doesn't he's it's almost like the secrets being kept from him that their dad is Santa Claus because he loves Christmas so much and he loves everything so much so I think that's another route they could go I definitely I like that we both had similar routes that he's like the husband or the boyfriend of one of the characters but we both had opposite mm -hmm. <laughs> approaches you're like oh he's obsessed with Christmas he loves Christmas and I was saying he he's the he's the opposite of that. He does not believe in Christmas, but yeah, it'll be fun to see him. I, like I mentioned, he's a funny actor. So whether we, either of us is right, or we're both completely wrong, and all of our guesses, I think he's a good addition. I I think you make a good prediction that he might be one of the other characters, like the new Tooth Fairy, the new something else. That could be a fun route to bring him in, especially because he's a somewhat recognized name and known face. You know, so I could see him showing up in almost like a stunt casting type of role yeah. like that. Yeah, because a lot of those mystical creatures were... I mean, I guess Aisha Tyler wasn't that famous at the time when she played Mother Nature, but you had Peter Boyle as Father Time, Art LaFleur as the Tooth Fairy. Just a lot of, like, basically uh, people that have been around a while uh, as those characters, and I feel like Cal Penn perfectly could slide into there. 
Uh, but yeah, considering we don't have a lot of information, you know, there's not much we can speculate or talk about for that. And that brings us to our final topic, and that is arguably one of the best X-Men movies of all time, X2, X-Men United, part of our ramp up to the release of X-Men 97. It's the sequel to the first, obviously, it's called X2, and I think it's the best of the first trilogy, uh, I would say. As far as X, honestly, as far as like the X-Men world, the only movies I like better are Days of Future Past, Logan, and... It's hard to rank Deadpool because it's such a different type of movie, but... And there's so many X-Men. Being in the top four is not not too shabby. So, Tristan, you watched this far more recently than I did. What are your thoughts on X2 X-Men United? Yeah, I quite literally just finished it uh, a few minutes before we started recording. Uh, I'd seen it, of course, plenty of times throughout my youth. I was probably the prime age of these movies coming out to be hyped for them, but... Uh, rewatching it now, it was the first time in a very, very long time that I watched it. And even though I was a prime age, this was not really like my franchise that I loved. You know, I, I know that I'd seen them and I watched them, but it wasn't like, oh, I was dressing up as X-Men for Halloween. I was always a Spider-Man guy, you know, and X-Men was kind of like the, the edgier, darker, cooler version of the characters that I was not really, uh, into at the time. But yeah, watching it now, I think this is a really impressive sequel. We talked about the last one and how it didn't feel like it had this current marvel sense of like scale and stakes to it it didn't necessarily feel big and fun and it it was kind of trying to take itself a lot more seriously and feel a lot more grounded and this feels bigger this feels a little bit more in line with what i think we'd be expecting out of a marvel studios version of this where they're like bringing in the x-men theme in the score a lot and it feels very much like the team is working together and you have the scenes where like they're flying around in the jet and all other powers are kind of working together in unison so you get to see like what this team is really looking like when they're all firing on all cylinders yeah. together and you also get to see what happens when that doesn't go right jean gray is kind of off her game and her, that one member of the team being off is enough to throw off the entire balance of the whole x-men squad and i feel like that really shows them as being like part of a unit here and i like that a lot about these movies is and it, even though wolverine is clearly like the focal character i think and you're like point of view into a lot of this and it never feels like it's only his story especially in these first two movies it feels like he's our our focus but that's only because we need a, somewhat of a main character to show us all these other stories and everybody gets moments to shine in this movie you know nightcrawler is it a really impressive yeah. addition? He's the yeah. standout character, I think, action-wise. Yeah. One of the best. Really shows he's stepping up of the scale from the first movie, too. Yeah, one of the best opening scenes of all time with Nightcrawler in the White House going after uh, the president with just showing off his powers. And uh, I remember... So this is probably... Yeah, this is definitely the first superhero movie I watched in theaters. Watched it as... Uh, for one of my friend's birthday parties. So I was like 10 years old. So it would have been like his 10th birthday party, I think. And uh, I just remember like being in the theater and like watching that opening scene of Nightcrawler and being like, what the hell is going on? But in all the best ways. Yeah, that scene really holds up too because I love how much it throws you just directly into it. Like you said, you're kind of like, what the hell is going on? And I, I'm sure you're not the first person who didn't watch the first one and just kind of went into this and was like, oh, I can't. I kind of know what the mutants, you know, what the X-Men are, theoretically, yeah. but you haven't seen it in action, you know, and it, it very much throws you into it. And I love the political edge, too. Like, we talked in the first movie about how there was a couple of scenes here and there of very, 
very obvious political commentary that aged pretty well into the 21st century, or uh, not 21st century, but the, you know, the 2020s here. And there's a lot of that here as well. There's a whole scene where there's like a police standoff and they're asking Wolverine to lower his weapons. And of course he can't and a police officer gets jumpy and just like full on shoots Wolverine in the face. Yeah. You know, like if, if that wasn't Wolverine, that man is like, he just killed that man, yeah. you know? Uh, and I think they, that really shows that X-Men yeah. has always been very political. And when people come in and say, oh, I hope this X-Men isn't, isn't woke. You know, I'm like, have yeah, you watched X-Men recently? Yeah, uh, that's, uh, you just triggered so many things in me. But uh, one of the things that uh, stood out to me, especially as far as like politics in this movie, is, I mean, the, the, the like X-Men comics were kind of a response and, you know, a symbology for the simple civil rights movement. And then, you know, going into 2000, especially with like the LGBT community, you know, rising up and being on the rise and becoming more prominent in pop culture and, you know, talking about their issues and their struggles. And then the director uh, being part of that community. The whole scene with Bobby, like, telling his parents that he's a mutant was very much like a symbology of a a kid coming out to his parents as gay or bi or any other thing in that realm. So definitely had politics like there that I feel like a lot of kids you know, who were having those thoughts and those feelings at that time period watching that movie could definitely connect with Bobby in that moment, so. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, I appreciate that the X-Men is not subtle, too. I think sometimes movies that want to have political commentary are so afraid to take any side on anything that it's like they think just dipping a little bit of commentary Mm -hmm. in there is, like, enough, (laughs) you know, and these movies definitely feel like, no, we're not just going to kind of talk about it. Like it's going to be, it's going to be kind of the plot of the, of the whole movie. You know, it's about the government cracking down unjustly on these mutants and you bring in striker. I I think it's fun that this is like what our already our second striker out of like five strikers. We're going to get in this franchise, but I think, uh, yeah, it's fun that, uh, the politics are definitely at the forefront. They're not just kind of there to add flavor that you know it's it's a full meal you know mm-hmm. i think that really was something that was impressive about watching this now is it didn't just feel like they're putting that there to check the box it felt like they were really that was the motivation for the making the making the mm-hmm. plot work yeah definitely and yeah, the action was good the story was good it was the only, i mean the only problem anyone i could see having with this movie is like the lack of like fantastical elements it was mm-hmm. maybe arguably i mean obviously they all have superpowers and stuff but the look and feel of it was a little too grounded for maybe the X-Men that deals a lot with like the cosmic. But outside of that, I can't really see people having a problem with this movie. Yeah, I feel that about both of these. And I remember feeling it about this whole trilogy is even though it is fun to see these characters realize they're not fully realized. And I've definitely seen that more so on this watch because I've watched that whole entire animated series before this. And I've, in the last couple years i've made a point to read a lot more comics so i've read a lot of the old x-men comics and now looking at these movies now i definitely feel like there's a bit of a lack of life to some of the characters and a bit of a a bit of a you know not a lot of color in their costumes and things like that because when you look at the animated series we just talked about a few weeks ago and of course the source material color is such a prominent part of that and all the x-men have these really exaggerated personalized costumes that reflect who they are reflect their abilities and when you watch these movies they're not necessarily very individual 
they feel like all their costumes are kind of like the same kind of black, flat, yeah. boring latex and not a lot yeah. of personality to the way that they look and feel. But I I think that's definitely the biggest flaw of this trilogy. Is, this, is it this one or the first one where someone comments on their suits and Wolverine says, oh, what did you want, yellow latex or yellow spandex? I want to say it's the first one, and I and I heard that line, and I was like, kind of. I mean, <laughs> yeah, kind yes. of a little bit. It still annoys me so much in Logan, because um, he gets the uh, armor that looks like his comic accurate costume in uh, the Wolverine, and so much of me, like I thought, one hundred percent going into this movie because we saw the trailers and everything about him potentially losing his healing factor i thought for sure essentially in that final scene where he was going to be losing his healing factor and he was going into battle that he needed some type of protection and for one last time he was going to put on that armor and i was hyped but that didn't happen and i was sad you know what could be getting you hyped though is maybe with the r-rated content coming disney plus you might get logan on here and yeah. you could complete the whole x-men binge you know we're missing two two x-men movies otherwise we'd be watching the whole franchise is logan r-rated definitely oh yeah that's <laughs> true there's a lot of knife stabbing i'm just so used to not really caring about all that like i don't know american priorities of what kids can and can't watch still astounds me if you can watch ncis uh, and watch some guy get his head blown off. But if he says shit, can't have that. Can't have him okay. saying the the word shit. But kids are a okay watching people get brutally murdered every Monday night on NCIS. I don't know what day NCIS airs, but yeah, definitely. I'm glad that we we watched this. So it's a it's a fun one. I'm glad we're getting through this franchise. The next one is, of course, a little more controversial. Not is it is it controversial or is it just not liked? Because controversial <laughs> means people like it, and I don't think anyone likes The Last Stand. Look, I don't remember not. I will say that I think this was my first. Uh, this is certainly my first X Men movie in the theater, Last Stand. So I, it'll be fun to get back to the nostalgia and watch that again. I don't remember hating it that much, but I. It's also because the premise is interesting and the premise is not theirs. You know, like they took that from the comics and from the animated show and from other things. So. Yeah, I'll I'll be curious to watch it. It's not liked. Joe's Joe is not wrong about that. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other topics uh, that you want to bring up to talk about before we wrap up? No, I'm uh, definitely having a good time on the show. If you guys are liking it, like and subscribe. We'd love yeah. to get your thoughts. You know, comment down below. Send us some love on Facebook or Twitter and let us know what you're watching because we definitely will take recommendations and review whatever you want us to review. Like you said, it's kind of a lighter few weeks here before we get to stuff like moon Knight, so we definitely will take some reviews if you guys got any recommendations for us oh also forgot to mention completely didn't even think about it until now i watched brain games on the road uh today show wasn't for me like all <laughs> everything that they talked about and it's like tricks and like puzzles and stuff are all like very basic puzzles that anyone who gives half a crap about puzzles already knows so I'm curious who the show is, who's the show for? Because if you know about puzzles, and that's why you watch the show, you're gonna be like, oh, "Okay, I know all this." If you don't care for puzzles, you're not gonna watch the show about puzzles. So, I mean, maybe it's, it's aimed at maybe it's aimed at a younger audience, but then they should have contestants that are not young, that are younger, and not have adult contestants. But that's just me. 
They should cross promote with Batman and have Paul Dano host in full full character for, yes. from the movie. You know, he's the Riddler, just yeah. hosting Ooh, his children's show. Sweet. I can see that. Is <laughs> the question wrong? He pulls out the duct tape. He's like, "It's time to go, kids." No more lies. That's what he <laughs> says when you get one wrong. He's like, "No more lies." All right, I think that wraps up our show for today. <laughs> and without further ado, goodbye. Thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.